Okay, in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as I bow in your presence, I thank you for your word. I thank you for another privilege to preach. And for these that have gathered for the service, Lord, we need you today, and I pray you'd help me to be a vessel that you could fill and use. Lord, cleanse me and prepare my heart and the hearts of the people that we might receive that that you have for us today. Bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to bring a message on the thought today, how much does God love me? Well, that is a subject that I don't know that I can explain, but I'm going to try uh, to explain it, I, I want to make reference to a song. It's page 188 in our songbook, and uh, I am told that uh, found on, scratched on the wall of an insane asylum, a man who had been there for 25 years and had died, and they were cleaning up the room after his death. And uh, they found uh, these words on the wall of that uh, room where he had been for those many years. And then verse 3 of that song says, Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. I don't know how insane he was, do you? <laughs> but uh, to write something like that. The love of God. And Ephesians 3 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Well, God loves us. I'm glad of that. Uh, many songs have been written about that. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I'm glad He does love us. He loved us enough to send His Son from heaven's glory into a world that despised Him and rejected Him and did not want Him. 1 John 4, verse 9 and 10, And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we love God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He loved us enough to give his son. You know, there's attachment that you have with your children that is, uh, that is very strong. And to give your child, that's what uh, the reference is made, not that Jesus was naturally born of the Father, not talking about that, but in there's a relationship in the triune Godhead. He gave, sent his son into this world. John 3, 16, probably the greatest and most well-known and the most loved verse in the entire word of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, I don't understand all about uh, their plan of redemption. And, and you know, no plan of redemption is made for the devil and his angels. They are, they sinned and there's no way they can get back to God. And yet God has made a way for man uh, that we could be redeemed, that we could be saved and have our sins forgiven. And isn't it wonderful that a person can, can go far in sin and yet can find their way to God or that God can show them the way to Him. He loved us enough to send His Son into this old troubled world. He loved us enough to send us his son. It was one thing to send the son of God, and I believe all the Bible says about Jesus. I believe he was virgin born. I believe he lived a perfect life. I believe all the miracles. I believe he was God in the flesh. Uh, I believe in his teaching. I believe all he said, all that he spoke. I believe it all. All the record that the Bible gives us, I believe it. But I want to say to you, that all that in itself could not bring about salvation. The fact of God sending His Son into the world to teach man. You know, some say that Jesus was a great teacher. In fact, the, uh, the Muslim religion, they accept the fact that Jesus lived. They accept the fact that He was a prophet. They accept the fact that He was a great teacher. But they do not accept the fact that he was God in the flesh, that he was their redeemer, he was our savior. And therefore, because of that, uh, they are lost in their sins. So the, all these things were important, but they cannot save. He had to sentence his son. Jesus had to die on a cross. He not only had to die on a cross, but he had to die a substitutionary death. He had to die in our place. He had to die for our sins. You know, they tried to kill him on different occasions. When he went back to Nazareth there, they tried to cast him off of a hillside there. And they wanted to get rid of him. But Jesus dying is not salvation. Jesus dying for my sins. That's salvation. And God was willing to Give his son. He loved us enough to send us his son. In 1 John 3, 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, sometimes you hear stories in the battlefield of a soldier throwing himself on a grenade to, to save the life of their buddies. The Lord said there's no greater love than that. And yet, 
Verse 8 of our text in Romans 5, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for his enemies. He died for the ungodly, verse 6 says. And while we were yet sinners, he died for us. The book of Philippians, I want to turn there and read two or three verses in Philippians chapter number 2 and verse 5, page 1258 in Philippians 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And notice the emphasis there. Even the death of the cross. You know, crucifixion was one of the most uh, horrific forms of death that man has ever devised. And it's amazing that Jesus would die on the cross. In the Old Testament, it was prophesied that this would happen. And yet the Jewish method of, of, of capital punishment was not crucifixion, but stoning. And yet Jesus did die on a cross because the Romans were in power. But he came obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It was a horrible method of death. And as they would nail, in this case, case of Christ, they nailed him to the cross. And they would bend the knees, allowing when a person... For, for a person to breathe on the cross, they would have to pull against those spikes in his hands and push against those spikes in his, in his feet. And with every breath, it was absolute agony and misery. There's no way we can comprehend the pain and the agony that Jesus Christ went through on that cross, but is willing to do it. His love for you, his love for me, held him to the cross and caused him to pay that kind of price for our salvation. In the book of Romans 8, 32, the Bible said, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He spared not his own son, but willingly and freely gave him for our redemption. I remember reading a story years ago uh, that, uh, that I think illustrates this truth. Uh, the story is, is of this man who operated a drawbridge over a river uh, where the ships would come, go up and down the river. Maybe it was the Mississippi River. I can't remember the story now. But he operated this drawbridge. And when the ships would come through, maybe you've crossed uh, one of those type bridges. And... Uh, uh, when the ships would come through, then he would raise the bridge. And then when the, uh, when the ship had gone through, he would, he would lower the bridge and allow this train. In this case, it was a train that crossed the river. And one day, his little son went to work with him. And they enjoyed, the son enjoyed watching his father and watching those giant gears and and, and, and all raised that bridge and those ships going through and the trains crossing the river. And uh, they, uh, when it came lunchtime, they, they sat down to eat their lunch together. And they were talking and enjoying one another and enjoying their lunch together. 
And the little boy slipped and got caught in one of those giant gears. And about the time that happened, the father heard the train whistle. And he had forgotten that it was time for the train to cross the river and, and the bridge was up. His mind, panic raced through his mind. He said, what must I do? If I save my son, then this train will plunge off into the river and many people will die. And uh, uh, so he had that choice to make. And he made the choice and he lowered that bridge, bringing his son to instant death. And the bridge was lowered and the train raced across the river. And the people were eating and laughing and having fun. And the father with tears in his eyes said, don't you care? I gave my son for you. I sacrificed my son. And I'm going to tell you that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us and what God did for us. He gave his life in order that you and I could have life and have it eternal. The love of God. How does one comprehend it? He loved us enough to send us his son. He loved us enough to save us from sin. In uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 2, let's turn there and look briefly, please. In the book of Ephesians chapter number 2. The book of Ephesians chapter 2, page 1251, Ephesians 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power there, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now here he describes their condition. And we could put our name there, many of our past life. But he compares us to a dead person. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You know, one thing about a dead person, everything that's done for that person must be done by someone else. They cannot make their own decisions. And that's what God did for us here. But verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved. God did these things because of his great love wherewith he loved us. Revelation 1, 5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, he gives an interesting explanation there of, of our salvation. He washed us from our sins. He did not say he washed our sins from us. That's the reason water baptism doesn't save you. Water baptism, the most water could do is wash away the filth of the flesh, right? But the Bible said he washed us from our sins. It's just like the prodigal son. He took him out of the hog pen. And of course, uh, he uh, made him a new person there. In the book of 1 Corinthians, let's turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 6. And uh, verse, uh, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9, page 1216. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's sad, isn't it? God makes a long list. Do you find your name there? I think you'll find it somewhere. You say, oh, I've never committed adultery. Jesus said, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you commit adultery in your heart. You say, I've never killed anybody. He that is angry with his brother without a cause is a murderer. Oh, we all find our name there, don't we, somewhere. And God says, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Aren't you glad there's another verse? Thank God for verse 11. And such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Isn't it wonderful that you can be these things, but you can still be forgiven and saved. God says you can't go to heaven or you can't go in that condition, but you can go if you get washed and clean and saved. And that's what he's saying. And uh, were, and I'm glad he puts that in the past tense, such were some of you. You know, a person can be a drunkard, and I may always be a drunkard in, in the minds of man, but in the, in the mind of God, God says that's, that's the past. I will not remember that sin against you, Hebrews says. And so he loves us enough to save us from sin. I read a story that happened years ago at First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, when Dr. George Truitt was the pastor there. And uh, uh, there was a little boy in that church who was six or seven years of age, and he was saved in Sunday school class. And he loved Jesus, but the little boy was accidentally shot. And the doctor called the dad and says, there's nothing I can do said, the boy's going to die. And uh, so the preacher came and, and the father and, and they went into the room with the little boy and the little boy told his dad to come down closer and he put his arms around his dad's neck and said, Daddy, I loved you even though you were a drunkard. I loved you. And uh, Dr. Truitt said the man rushed from the side of his boy and went outside and fell on his face and began to weep and cry. And, and uh, he said uh, he followed him out and was able to lead him to Christ. And that, that drunken dad was saved and set free from that bondage of strong drink. And so I'm glad that he loved us enough to save us from sin. A person may become addicted and in bondage to sin, but they can be set free. Bible says in Romans 5.20, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. He loved us enough to save us from sin. He loved us enough to adopt us and chasten us as sons. 1 John 3.1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us 
that we should be called the sons of God. Oh, he's adopted us into his own family. He's made us his child. I remember a story about a little boy. Uh, his, his classmates at school began to tease him and, and, and began to tell him, they said, oh, you're an adopted child. Your daddy and mama's not your real daddy and mama. And he, they, hadn't, they hadn't told him, and so he went home and began to cry. And he said, they tell me that you're not my real daddy and mama. And they said, that's right. We, we haven't told you yet. We're just going to wait till later to tell you. But said, uh, said we love you just like you was one of our own, just like you were our natural child. And says, this is what you go back and tell your friends. Said, uh, said when we chose you to be our son, uh, we had a choice of, of several little boys. And we chose you. And you tell them that their parents had to take whatever they got. <laughs> but uh, we chose you in specifically. Well, the Lord has adopted us. He has chosen us as his child. Sometimes I wonder why I'm saved and why others are lost and why I was born in America and why I was born in a part of America where I could hear the gospel, born in a home that, where parents loved God and wanted me to know about Jesus Christ. Well, we have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? Hebrews 12, 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Revelation 3, 19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. God chastises us. If you love your children, the Bible says you will correct them. My dad used to tell me, he corrected me, he whipped me because he loved me. And he, I can remember, he'd say, One day you'll appreciate it. And I thought at that time, I'd say, that'll never happen. <laughs> There'll never be a day like that. But I know now what he was talking about, and you do too, don't you? I realize the importance of chastisement, the importance of correction. And so the boundaries that are set, uh, who loves their child? One that allows their child to play in the highway? Or one that knows the dangers of it and says, you can't play in the road. Someone will run over you. Who loves their child? Oh, that goes without saying, doesn't it, the answer to that question. And so we correct our children because we love them. And a parent that allows their child just to do anything they want to do doesn't really love their child. Uh, a parent that love their child sets boundaries because they care for them and they don't, want, they don't want them to fall into harm or danger. So he loved us enough to adopt us and chasten us a son. And I'm glad God deals with us. I'm glad the Lord won't let you just get to do any way you want to do. And, and God will deal with people. Say, oh, you believe in eternal salvation. Yes. I believe when God saves you, he saves you forever. You believe a man could be saved today and go get drunk tomorrow and go to heaven. No. I believe when God saves a person, he changes them. And furthermore, I believe God corrects his children. If I went and got drunk, I'd be in for a good whipping. I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> uh, God would deal with me and God would correct me and God would chastise me because he loves me. And he chastens us and corrects us. And then 
He loves us enough to secure us forever as servants. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8, and I love this scripture. In Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, and verse 35, page 1202, Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, our distress, our persecution, our famine, our nakedness, our pearl, our sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, thank God for such love, for such security. You know, nothing can change. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. You know, I've counseled with people over the years and, and uh, sometimes husband and wives, they begin to fuss and, with one another and uh, I just don't love them anymore. I used to love them, but I don't love them anymore. Well, I'll tell you, God will never do that. God will never say that. God's love will never change. His love is unconditional. Many people's love is conditional. You know, they, uh, if you'll do so and so, if you'll do this and do that, then I'll love you. That's not love. That's bribery. <laughs> love is I love you regardless. What's said about Abraham Lincoln, I think it was, as they were painting his portrait, and the painter was, the artist was trying to situate him where the wart would not show on his face. And Abraham Lincoln says, Paint me just like I am, word and all. <laughs> I'm glad God loves us just like we are. In spite of our imperfections, in spite of our sins, in spite of our shortcomings, God accepts us just like we are. And that's why I love that song, Just As I Am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. Aren't you glad you can come like that? Because if you couldn't, you couldn't come at all. Because we can't change ourselves. But he takes us unconditionally. I thank God for that. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 said, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. You know, Israel was continually rebelling against the Lord. But God said, I still love you. And he still does. You know, they're back in the land, but most of them are back in unbelief. But that doesn't change God's love for them. He still loves them. In spite of it. In spite of their way. And those in hell, he loves. I believe it breaks the heart of God when people die in their sins. I remember hearing a teacher I had, a professor I had years ago, and he said, I used to preach on hell. And he said, when I preached on hell, he said, I preached on hell as if I was glad people were going there. And he says, one day God broke my heart. And he said, God doesn't make God happy when people go to hell. It breaks the heart of God.
He says, now when I preach on hell, I preach on hell with a broken and a contrite heart. Because God's not happy when people die without him. I've loved thee with an everlasting love. John 13 verse 1 said, Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Aren't you glad? He loved them unto the end. His love didn't change. Thank God for the love of God. How much does God love me? <laughs> for all these reasons and 10,000 more. And if I could do as the, or the songwriter there, if, uh, if the sky was parchment and the ocean was ink, we couldn't tell the story. We could never get it told, the love of our God. This is part of a message. I want to finish, bring the second part of the message to really another message tonight on our love for God, what God says it ought to be. I hope you'll be here. Let's bow our heads, please.